Hey, welcome back to another episode of Pray, Sand, Go, Conversations with Ministry Voices. I'm joined by a couple guys here today from two of our mission partnerships, mission organizations that Bethel supports. And for those of you who have been listening to these episodes, you know that every episode we feature two or three different ministry partners because really the purpose of this is, is twofold, maybe threefold. We want to raise awareness of and therefore prayerfulness for our ministry partners. Uh, and, and we also want to give them a platform to encourage, to challenge, to give suggestions, resources for us at Bethel to live on mission, but also to just, you know, let us know, raise awareness of what God is doing around the world. God is doing incredible things, even in, or I should say, especially in the, the pandemic in 2020 all over the world, uh, lives are still being changed. And so it's exciting to hear that, but we don't, we don't get to hear that a lot in the States. And so that's, uh, this is an opportunity for that. So I want to introduce these, these two gentlemen. We have uh, Dave De- DeHaan from Leadership Resources International as Director of Church Partnership. And we have Lionel Young, Executive Vice President from Global Action. So I want you guys to, you know, tell us a little bit about your mission organization, your role in it, and uh, yeah, I'll let uh, Dave, you can kick it off. Sure. Thanks, Jared. Appreciate uh, being uh, with you today and with Lionel. So Leadership Resources International, uh, we exist to um, promote movements of God's word uh, through every church to every nation. And for us, what that means is we equip pastors around the world. Uh, we're involved in about 60 different countries and specifically training them to read, study, and understand God's word uh, accurately. Uh, Basically, we're teaching the essential principles of um, biblical interpretation. Fancy word for that's hermeneutics. Uh, But we do that in a very interactive training workshop, sort of a format. And not only are we training them to uh, study and understand God's word, we're training them to train others. So 2 Timothy 2.2 is... Uh, a minister is a, is a verse that really is dear to our ministry. And I know a lot of ministries uh, in terms of when Paul says to Timothy, you know, what you've heard from me, uh, trust a faithful man who will be able to teach others also. And we are looking to um, just foster that ripple effect of training in God's word and specifically through the local church. We want to see pulpits transformed. We see preachers transformed and pulpits and churches transformed and then thereby uh, communities transform. So that's a, that's a little bit of who we are and what we do. Yeah, that's great. And we'll definitely take a deeper dive on that. We'd love to hear more about uh, why that is, that LRI is focusing on the centrality of, of the teaching of God's word. But Lionel, tell us about Global Action and, and what you guys do. Well, um, it's great to be here with you, Jared, and also with Dave. And Uh, Just for any of your listeners, you may be wondering now, why is Bethel supporting two organizations that are involved in equipping leaders around the world? And I think I would just say the the answer is that the need is just so great. Um, You know, it's like asking, why do we need more than one church? I mean, (laughs) you know, we there are between 85 to 90 percent of pastors in the non-Western world have very little access, if, if none, to any kind of formal theological education. There's all kinds of reasons for that. Poverty is certainly one of the one of the issues and one of the big issues. But um, and then you know each of these uh, organizations that are working under different umbrellas, like Topic that that Dave knows about and uh, Reforma in Europe, uh, 
they are oftentimes working together and in some cases they have different uh, uh, focuses. So uh, in, in our case, our organization um, uh, would be just slightly different in that we're, we're providing a one to two year uh, like diploma or certificate that covers um, kind of the basics, um, you know, introduction to the New Testament, introduction to the Old Testament. Um, we don't go as, as, as deep as uh, leadership resources on preaching and teaching. We're able to offer one class on that. So we provide like a one to two year kind of diploma uh, uh, a program for pastors who have no access, who would never go to a college, never go to a seminary. And our hope is that some of them will, will continue on as a result. We liken it to imagine this ladder and the, the, the bottom two rungs are missing. And we're, we're, we're saying to pastors, we want you to study. And they, the bottom two rungs are missing. They, they, you know, they don't even have access to, a, to go to someplace to study. And so we kind of provide that, that entree for them to allow them to take formal classes over a one to two year period of time. And they get like what you would say, I would call it like a, if you went to Moody Bible Institute for a year uh, or maybe two, you're going to get the equivalent of that. And, and along with, with Dave, my, my heart is, uh, is with this being one of the most strategic things that the church can do. And that's invest in leaders in the non-Western world to build up the non-Western church. Yeah. And we absolutely love our partnerships uh, at Bethel with Global Action and Leadership Resources. It's been phenomenal. So uh, we are, we're grateful to have you guys. So thank you guys for your time and, and for sharing. And, and I'm eager to, to dig in. Today, we're going to be talking about, actually, Lionel, you, you teed it up perfectly, uh, Indigenous Local Leadership Development. Now, if you're listening and you have no idea what I just said, uh, you are probably in the majority. That's a mouthful, Indigenous Leadership Development. What does that mean? Well, we're going we're gonna to talk about that and uh, why it's a crucial piece of global missions. So, you know, both of these guys have, have extensive experience and knowledge in missiology, the, the study of missions. I, I, Lionel, in fact, I think you have your PhD in the history of, of global Christianity, if, if I, uh, my memory serves me correct. So uh, maybe we'll start with you. How have you seen the Western missions paradigm shift over the last, uh, you know, couple decades, let's say? Well, maybe uh, Dave and I can team up on this. This is a... Uh... This is an area of real passion for, for me. Um, you know, in, in the year 1900, um, uh, almost all the, the missionaries uh, going out to various parts of the world came from the West and went from the West to the rest. That's an expression you'll often hear. Um, 120 years later, um, those numbers have, have changed. Nearly half of the world's missionaries are actually sent out from the non-Western church, from places like Brazil and Ethiopia, um, with missionaries going out from India, which is interesting because you can send an, uh, a non-Western missionary from India to Bhutan, uh, and that country is not closed to the gospel. They're just closed to mission, uh, American missionaries, but they're not closed to missionaries. So this whole idea of closed countries is even sort of is, is out. Um, today, most of the world's Christians live in the non-Western world. Uh, again, 1900, uh, about 80% of the world's Christians lived in the Western world. Today, um, nearly 70% of the Christians live in the non-Western world. 
And what's happened is, especially during decolonization, the, um, the, the mindset of, you know, the white person's going to come and tell you how to do it, that, that mindset is kind of, um, I'm just going to say it's out of style, <laughs> is the best way to say it. And not that we don't have an important role. In fact, our role is to come alongside, and I think this is maybe the terminology right. Dave and I would prefer, to come alongside the non-Western church and to build up leadership capacity to help them serve in their local context. Um, and I think maybe the best visual I could give it is, should, should I go and pastor a church in Kenya or should I devote my life to working with an organization that's going to help equip the leaders in a country like Kenya to, to serve their church? And not just serve their church, but also to send out missionaries from their church. So you can see the shift and, and the shift even in strategy. Um, I would say most organizations uh, in the Western world understand that um, organizations like leadership resources and global action are kind of on the cutting edge of that um, and understanding we really need to make that our, our primary focus. So there's been a big change in the last 100 years with the way we do missions. Some, I would say American Christians still don't know about it, but, <laughs> but it's why it's important why, why you're doing a podcast like this to help Christians understand this is exciting. This is great. Um, uh, and to help them understand what that looks like. Yeah, it, it seems like, you know, missions history has, if I can put it this way, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, there's, we, we are standing on the shoulders of certainly Western missionaries before us, and we praise God for the work that they have done. But there is some bad and there's some ugly. You, we think of colonialism, where missions became politicized. We think of what, kind of what, what I would call the Western savior mentality, you know, well, from North America, we're going to go to the rest of the world and show them how to do it, you know, the West of the rest. And so those are, those are kind of dark spots in, in missions history. Now, what I have seen, and Dave, I can, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but I've seen in missions organizations, as I have learned about them, even pretty large ones like Wycliffe uh, and uh, some others, there, there's a shift to what you were just talking about, Lionel. There's a shift to understanding and realizing Wow, there is there is power, there's effectiveness in raising up local leaders. So, Dave, what would you add to all this? Yeah, I don't know that I have too much to add. Um, you know, Lionel's got uh, degrees in this. I've got a couple books over there on my shelf on this topic. Some of your books but, I want too, Dave. I've, I've seen them on your shelf. <laughs> that's that's an occupational hazard in these in these calls. I've I've learned. Um, but a couple of thoughts came to mind just as Lionel was sharing, just, just affirming, uh, you know, the things that he's said. And uh, in, in one thought was just, you know, true partnership. That, that Bible word, that New Testament word, partnership, koinonia, koinonia, partnership, sharing in the gospel together. The thing that Paul really highlights in the book of Philippians, and he thanks God for the Philippians and their partnership, their sharing in the gospel from the beginning until now. And I, maybe we're starting to understand some parts of the Bible a little bit better than we used to uh, mm. in days gone by. And what it really means to partner uh, with our brothers and sisters in, in other places in the world. And, and you, know, you know, we're not the only ones doing this, but we've sometimes heard from, of our, some, from some of our partners in other places. Like, you know, other people have come and said they want to partner with us, but that kind of means they come in and they kind of lead the show and they tell us how to do things and then they leave. 
but we're you're you're saying we're really equals in this work and you're you're not just going to fly in and and we, but you're going to come back and we're going to have an ongoing partnership uh and, and and live life and and um you know by god's grace do our part in the great commission uh together um you know one other thing comes to mind and i don't know if there are trends in this um it can first of all i would say that the sending of a missionary or a missionary family where where uh, they are prepared here in the states and they they raise support and they go through um you know intercultural training and so forth cross-cultural training and then they're sent out i don't think that's going away uh but there are more and more challenges to that model in in our time um it, it's a it can be a fairly expensive model uh, it can be tough cross-culturally. Um, you know, in a lot of places, uh, it is perhaps going to be more effective to go and, and have that true partnership with local leadership build into them. They're going to be the ones best equipped to reach their neighbors in, in their context and in their culture. I, I want to just jump in and say something here because, Dave, when you're, as you're talking, I'm getting so excited. Something Dave said about how we're reading Scripture now. I, I think we, we're seeing that that even in scripture, there's more diversity than we thought. I mean, if, if you, you know, and, and you think in terms of the Bible written in Hebrew and Greek, which suggests that the Bible wasn't even written all in one language. Uh, the Bible itself is a document that is, has cultural diversity within it. Um, and then you look at Acts 2, you see people there from all over the world hearing the good news in their own language. And I think now the American church is reading the Bible differently and seeing there is a lot of cultural diversity in the scriptures and there's a lot of cultural diversity in our world. And I think it's a good thing. Um, I, I think um, it will make the church even better. And also what Dave mentioned about this older model, and I would agree with you, Dave, I don't think that idea of sending a Western missionary is going away, but there are a lot of challenges to it. Um, and I, I gave the example, and I don't think this is inappropriate to share. I don't think our director in India will mind because he's talked about it publicly. You, you, an American missionary is not going go to go to Bhutan, um, but uh, someone living in India can go to Bhutan, and someone in Bhutan can come over to India and study the scriptures. Um, my point is that the gospel can now go everywhere. Um, and there's no such thing as a closed country anymore unless we're thinking about Americans going out. And yes, we can talk about closed countries. In fact, I can't go anywhere right now as an American. <laughs> I can't even go to the UK. Boris Johnson won't let me in. Um, so, um, but the, the, the gospel is open to every country because we live in a, we're part of a church that exists all over the world. Um, and so, that to me is very, very exciting. Yeah, that, that's, it's beautiful to see people groups all over the world sending people all over the world. I mean, you're, you're seeing the tapestry of the body of Christ, which is just a, a beautiful thing. And so I kind of want to use the, what you said, Lionel, to segue into my next question. Dave, you mentioned partnerships. Partnerships is just a fantastic concept. It's a biblical concept, like you said, partnering with leaders, local leaders all over the globe. So how, what are the advantages to that? You know, we, we, we talked about indigenous leadership development is crucial. It's important. 
But why is that? What, what advantages does it give? For the sake of, let's say, effectiveness and, and maybe even efficiency in, uh, in ministry and broadening the kingdom of God. Well, I would say our ministry is learning right now the effectiveness. Uh, we're grounded, <laughs> just like Lionel said. We, you know, our model is uh, to, when we, we, we partner with um, Christians, individuals, churches, pastors in a country, and once we've developed a partnership, we'll go there and begin our, our training model. Um, and we're equipping them, but initially we're sending our American training staff to do that. And uh, we're not obviously not able to do that. But because we have built into indigenous national leaders, uh, the, tr the training that we are not able to do ourselves will continue. It is continuing. Uh, training workshops are being, being held uh, in, in any many places where we minister. Uh, and we're not there. So we're already seeing um, the fruit of that. Things like translation and, mm -hmm. and how, you know, the time that that takes. And, and sometimes we do our initial trainings and we're doing double translation, which I haven't seen it yet, but just boggles my mind. Uh, but when you've, you know, when you've equipped uh, national leaders to do that, um, you know, it, it's, it's their church. You know, we have a wonderful national team in Uganda. Um, I'm not a part of the Ugandan church. They're the Ugandan church. They know the church leaders. They know the, the, the territory. They know uh, their context. And, and, and even to think strategically um, about, how, about God's word moving forward and, and you know, that, that, that acts <laughs> uh, to the ends of the earth uh, from, um, uh, from Jesus' commission and acts as national leaders strategize, they can think about how to most effectively do that uh, in their context. And, and so they're going to be the ones better equipped to do it. And I, I would just add to that, Jared. I remember one time I heard one of my African friends, uh, his name is Oscar Mariu. He pastors in, in Nairobi, Kenya. And one time he got up at a conference and he said, poverty is one of our greatest strengths. And I was like, what in the world is he talking about? I mean, we need money to run uh, our, our ministry. And what, I mean, what are you talking about? So, I mean, I was just shocked. So I, I, uh, <laughs> I mean, to say to an American, poverty is one of our greatest strengths, you know, it's like, you're trying to get your mind around it. So he started to unpack that. And he talked about how, you know, a non-Western pastor or missionary, they're used to poverty. They, they, live, they live in it. And so you tell them, we want you to go, we want you to go from Kenya to Uganda or from Uganda to let's say South Sudan to be a missionary uh, and you're not going to have much to live on. They're like, Oh yeah, we're used to that. We don't have much to live on anyway. But uh, like Dave said, if you want to send a Western missionary out, um, they're going to probably struggle unless they're able to live at the same standard or a similar standard to what they're used to. So I would say now I've come to believe what my friend Oscar has said, poverty is one of their greatest strengths. They, they can get it done uh, in ways that I probably never would be able to. Yeah, it, it seems like national leaders don't have the barriers that, that Western leaders would going overseas. You know, you guys both mentioned there would be linguistic barriers, cultural barriers, social barriers. All these things can be overcome, but it takes time. It takes time to learn all those things, whereas someone who's in that culture, they already have the network, they already have the, you know, the, the friends, they obviously know, they know the language, the culture and everything. And so uh, they're able to 
raise up as a, as a leader in the church very quickly. And, and uh, you know, Oscar Maru is a, is a great example at Nairobi Chapel, actually. I mean, he is a dynamo at making disciples, making leaders who are making leaders or making leaders. I mean, the multiplication of discipleship that's happened through his church is absolutely incredible. And the church planning that they've had come out of that. So I would love to hear from you guys, uh, maybe share some stories from your organizations, uh, just some exciting things you've heard about in 2020, kind of along these lines from, from leaders that you know. Now, obviously, you guys work with pastors who are in sensitive areas, and so we want to be very respectful of, you know, any security parameters that they have. So I, I know you're not able to share details, but just go ahead and share any stories that you're able to from, from your ministries. This whole area of, of equipping uh, na- national leaders of, uh, we, we say, having um, indigenous-led sustainable movements of God's word. That, that's the fancy way we talk about it with our, with our ministry. But, you know, by God's grace, we're waking up to this. We didn't, didn't know we weren't always there as a ministry. It's been in recent years that we really understood and, um, and just felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to be um, pushing more in this direction and one of the really neat things that's happened uh, just like in the last 12 months or so, uh, we are beginning to gather regional teams of leaders that we've built into, and, and they're uh, beginning to think strategically about how to reach their parts of the world with the gospel. And um, one of the places uh, where that's happening is in Ukraine. And so many of the pastors that we've we've trained them uh, to study God's word, and they've sort of shown an aptitude at a higher level They've kind of become the national leaders in their contact, but they're just beginning to form a national team for Ukraine. Uh, Some of our team from the States went there to meet with them and just help think through that and strategize with them and coach them. And, uh, but we also asked our national leader in Ethiopia, his name's Ashete. We asked Ashete if he would come. And the reason we, we asked Ashete is because Ethiopia is further ahead than Ukraine in this. Uh, Ashete, our team does, doesn't lead the work uh, in Ethiopia. Ashete does with his national leaders, uh, pastors that he has built into, an indigenous Ethiopian uh, leadership team for, for the work in that country. And so he came to Ukraine to help coach the Ukrainians. And we, we have this wonderful picture of all these Ukrainians in this room around this map of their area. And uh, they look like Ukrainians. And then in the middle of the room is this Ishete, this Ethiopian, and he looks like an Ethiopian. And, and they're looking at a map together and they're strategizing, okay, we could begin here and we could go there. And, and here the, the Ukrainian church is looking to an Ethiopian church leader. I don't know how much that kind of stuff happens in just generally in the world, uh, but by God's grace, it, it, that's, that's that picture that we've been talking about of, of a more diverse church than, than sometimes we realize. Yeah. That's, that sounds like a modern day snapshot of kind of the church of Antioch going on right there. That's awesome. That is, yeah. seeing that multicultural aspect. That's cool. Well, uh, you know, something uh, uh, Dave mentioned was, uh, and, and I think the story illustrates it was the, the fact that many times and maybe most of the time, these non-Western leaders have have ideas that um, are better than ours, and in in some cases, we I think we end up hurting the church by 
sort of coming up with all of these great ideas and deciding to, you know, we're going to go out there and we're going to implement them. And, and, and again, uh, pardon me from barring from my academic work, but you know, that, that, that was sort of the mindset of the colonial period. We make all our decisions in Whitehall in London uh, as white people. And then we have the Africans go carry those decisions out. That's a very colonial model. So that really effective missions isn't just telling non-Western leaders, hey, go out there and change your country. It's involving them in strategy and strategy questions, in vision and planning. Um, so I'll give you know example from uh, Global Action, another part of the world. When COVID-19 hit, we said to our leaders, look, what should we do now? And uh, they said, okay, this is a great opportunity for us to partner with students and graduates to serve their communities. Um, we, we can't all of us get in a class of 25 to 30 people, but let's empower some of our students and some of our leaders. And this, by the way, came from our, our regional directors. And so one example during the past few months, uh, many of our students who pastor churches in India what they did was they took and transformed their churches and turned them into food distribution centers for the local community where you've got local pastors and leaders right there running these food distribution centers in a small village in India while they're sharing the gospel and living out their faith. Well, that idea didn't come from me. Um, I'm not there in India. I don't know exactly what the need is. That idea came from a non-Western leader and they're, they're getting it done. So again, you see the, the impact of, you know, one leader in the non-Western world strategizing about how to most effectively impact the church. Um, it's the way multiplication happens. Yeah, COVID has been kind of the great revealer, hasn't it? I've I, I yeah. talked to some other pastors and they've said, man, it's, it's shown some weak areas in American church discipleship, some areas that we need to shore up as a church. But I think it's shown where uh, the strengths and weaknesses are in missiology. And, you know, Lionel, you said it earlier that we Americans literally can't travel hardly anywhere right now. And so if it was only the Western church going out, we would be in big trouble. The, the gospel would essentially be halted. The kingdom would not be moving this year, but certainly we know that God is bigger than that. And, and uh, he's using people from all over the globe. And so, yeah, it's uh, COVID-19 is, is just uh, actually accelerating some things and, and uh, God is using it for sure. To that end, what role do you guys see the Western church having in, in global missions as, as, a, as a whole? And then I kind of want to dig into maybe some individual scenarios. So, but as a, as a whole, where do you see the Western church? I'll, I'll, I'll start. Uh, and then Dave, you can, you can fix all my bad ideas. <laughs> we'll see. Um, I, I think, you know, I think that as Americans, we, we, this is something good about our country that we, when we see a problem, we see a challenge, we want to roll up our sleeves and do something about it. And I just, that's something I love about my country. Um, I mean, we sort of like, hacked our way through the wilderness from the East Coast to the West, and we just got out there and got it done. And it's interesting, the further West you go in our country, the more you see that sort of rugged individualism, and nobody's gonna tell me what to do up in Montana, right? Um, so 
I love that about our country. Um, but I think because of that, sort of the, the, the temptation in the middle of COVID-19 is to be frustrated and say, we can't get out there and do something in the world. And maybe there are times when we, we say, you know, this is a good season for us to learn. Um, a good season for uh, us to do, you know, the people who are passionate about missions in our church, for them to get together and, you know, read through some of the, you know, good books that are out there, like, uh, you know, Paul Borthwick's book, Western Christians in Global Mission, What's the Role of the North American Church? And I know you're both familiar, very familiar with that book, but to get around and, and, and to, to learn and, and let this be, now, not everyone in the church is going to be excited about that, but those who are excited about missions will. So, um, and I, if it seems like I'm dancing around your question, it's because that is such a big question. What is the role of the North American church? I do think it does start with learning. I think we have a lot to learn, and there's a lot that we can benefit from uh, as it relates to getting to know um, Christians in the non-Western world. I think there's still an important role, uh, important, important ways we can serve. Um, but I think that has to always be done from a posture of humility. And so I think even our short-term missions trips should be short-term learning experiences as well as service opportunities. Uh, and, and you kind of, you change the posture before you go. Um, you, the posture is we're going to go and we're going to serve and we're going to learn. Um, and then um, I think that takes pressure off of us too. Um, I said to a friend of mine who traveled with me to Costa Rica and the, the pastor wanted to take him to see a rainforest. And my friend was like, I, you know, a whole day going and hiking in the beautiful mountains, I kind of feel guilty about it. And I said, you need to understand what's happening here. Um, he's proud of his country and he doesn't want you just to come and see poverty. He wants you to come and see beauty. And he wants you to treat him as an equal partner in the gospel. And so this is an opportunity for you to actually enjoy, go learn and take in some of the beauty. Now, as I'm talking about that, I'm thinking I'd really like to go to Costa Rica right now. But I think, I mean, there's ways we can learn while we are here. And then when the opportunity comes for us to go, to go and serve. Um, and then I guess the last thing I would say What's the role of the North American church? Uh, you know, I, I think God has gifted us all very differently. And for Dave and I, our passion is, you know, leadership development. And so some people are going to really be able to bring that to the table. But I think it just depends on how God has gifted uh, people within the local church. Um, but Dave, jump in and help me out here. I, I got that. Yeah. I got the question uh, started, but uh, jump yeah. in and help me out. Here. I'll help by affirming everything you say. And I, yeah, I think the thing we can learn that you're hitting on this is, is humility. Um, just let's just be humble about what, what we're capable of doing or, or, or what we should be doing or whether we should be taking the, the lead in that. And, you know, if, if things are trending the way that we, I think I've been hearing they're they're trending for the last generation in terms of the, uh, uh, the core of the of the church becoming more and more African, becoming more and more Latin American. If if that's the case, then then let's prepare our hearts to be led by Africans and Latin Americans and others. This should be 
let's be ready for that and let's embrace that. Um, you know, when the Lord is 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 moving and shifting that way, and yet at the same time, let's keep on sending missionaries. Let's keep on doing the work. Um, let's you know, uh, 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 while it is today, right? Yeah, and I I, I think that really captures that this whole um, idea of humility. We're going to continue to serve, but in humility, and I, I think it it can be a, it, I think it's going to be really fun for the churches that say we're going to serve, but we're going to also, uh, we're going to also let ourselves be served. And those of us who are in ministry, we know how hard that is because we're used to, you know, we're, we're, we're always used to serving. And, you know, I remember when I first started meeting with a, uh, a spiritual director, which is kind of like a pastor, you know, I was, it was like, it was very awkward for me because, uh, you know, I'm used to be providing soul care and not having someone care for my soul. And so, but I, I found it to be very refreshing for me. And, and then I can go out and provide better soul care because someone is caring for my soul. I think that if we do approach mission from this attitude of humility, that we're going to go out and serve, but then we're also going to learn from you. And we want you to teach us how to be better followers of Jesus. I mean, there are things that we can learn from our African brothers and our Latin American brothers and sisters and our Asian brothers and sisters that help us read the Bible differently and see it differently that will really enrich our faith. That's good. And that was, it was definitely a loaded, big question <laughs> intentionally. Uh, so thank you guys for tackling that. And actually, Lionel, you answered the next question I had, which is, what do you guys see as the role of short-term missions? But I think you guys both hit the nail on the head. It's, it's learning, it's serving, it's in partnership with the local leaders and, and under their leadership, under their authority and under their supervision, not, certainly not over it, but learning from them and empowering them. We want people to go not thinking, well, I'm going to go and, and show them how it's done. Or I've even had people come up to me and say, man, I really want to go, go on a short-term trip or I want to have my kid go on a short-term trip so they better appreciate what they have. And that's just red flags go up when I hear that, because what I'm hearing is, so you, so you want to appreciate materialism. Is that, is that you want, so we, so we better appreciate what we have. And certainly that's not the point. That is not what short-term trips are for. I think they are to learn and serve under, like I said, the supervision and banner of local leaders and empowering them and seeing, you know, partnership. If, if there's a word of the day for this episode, I think it'd be partnership. It is, is that partnership with local leaders. That's so beautiful and, and so biblical. Uh, last question, how can listeners at Bethel be involved in what God is doing around the globe? Yeah, this is, this is always going to be number one. Please pray. <laughs> Please pray for the work. Obviously, uh, things have changed greatly this year. We're grateful for um, those leaders that we've um, built into, indigenous leaders that are carrying on the work. Uh, but I, you know, I, I sense this in Lionel as well. We're, we're antsy to get back out there and to be connecting uh, with the dear brothers and sisters we work with. And um, because that's, come back to that word, rel partnership, relationship, um, and uh, just spurring one another on in the gospel and, and the work continuing. So uh, praying is, is number one. Uh, praying for the, 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 part, the church in different parts of the world that is really suffering right now. I mean, this is, uh, the, the pandemic has taken it to, its toll, uh, it, obviously very unevenly around the world uh, in terms of where people live and their living situations uh, and praying that the, the global church 
uh, would be used of God to, to minister to people in, in those areas. Yeah, I'm just going to um, amen everything Dave has said here. And, you know, since I was a pastor for many years, I, you know, I've got to have points here. So I'm going <laughs> to give you my points. Um, one, I think, pray. And I, I, I would, uh, for your listeners who are not aware of the, the wonderful resource by Operation World, uh, to just kind of praying around the world, that's a great um, a great resource. Uh, there's even an app. You can use the app. The app's not as in-depth, but uh, that's a good way to, 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 to pray and to, to sort of guide your prayers. Um, I think the second is it's a good opportunity to learn, as I mentioned before, and I, I guess I keep coming back to this, but I know learning has changed me. I mean, it's changed the way I've ministered. And I just look back at some of the things that I did, like, 20 years ago and say, Oh God, forgive me. I mean, Oh, <laughs> but I mean, I was just doing my best, but I, I think that, that as you learn more about the world, um, you're just going to be able to serve the world better and it'll help you be a better follower of Jesus. Um, I mentioned this, I'm just going to plug it again is to go um, when the opportunity comes through. Um, and I would say, Jared, it's just a word of thanks to Bethel. Uh, the reports that we've gotten from, Bethel teams that have gone and partnered with us in some parts of the world have, have been, they come with a spirit of humility. They come to learn. And so, um, you know, I think go with, with one of the teams there at, at Bethel and get involved. And, and then, you know, the, of course, I'm, I'm not embarrassed to encourage people to be faithful in their giving that that makes, that does make a big difference and giving to your local church that is involved in missions around the world, not only strengthens the local ch church, but strengthens the work that leadership resources is able to do and global action is able to do. So, you know, just be faithful. So uh, th there's my outline, Jared. Great. I, that would preach. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I have asked this question or something similar worded this, this question and uh, to all of our ministry partners and every single one, has said something along the lines of what you guys just said, praying and learning. I, I like to say this, that awareness leads to burden, burden leads to prayer, and prayer leads to action. So as we are learning about what God is doing around the world, what God is doing around our neighborhood even, and, and God will, will burden our heart for what breaks his, will burden our heart for those who don't know Christ, burden our heart for his glory, and that will lead to praying and, and going. Uh, however, you know, God leads us in that. So... Pray and learn. And for all of you Bethel, Bethel listeners, you know, go to BethelWeb.org, go to our missions page. We have all kinds of resources. Uh, you can certainly email me at any time, jbryant at BethelWeb.org. And I'd love to give you resources. You can join our Bethel Mission Update Facebook page, emails. We have a number of, of resources, a number of ways that you can learn and be praying because God is on the move. God is working all over the world. He's working through people groups. And, you know, we look forward to Revelation 7, right, where one day we will gather with people from every tribe, tongue, nation, language, people group, ethnicity, all uh, from every culture, all over the world, gathered around the throne of Jesus. And that, that, that image, that picture, that vision of what we get to do for all eternity should really drive this whole thing. And I, I know for, for me it does, and I'm sure for you guys it does as well. Uh, what, a, what a beautiful picture of what we get to do. Well, 
Again, I want to thank these guys. Uh, so Lionel Young from Global Action and Dave DeHaan from Leadership Resources International. So thank you guys for joining us today. And thank you all uh, Bethel listeners for, for joining as well. So tune in next time for Pray, Send, Go Conversations with Ministry Voices. God bless.